Hello, my name is Thomas. Welcome to British Culture Albion Never Dies. It's been an eventful few weeks, an eventful month, and I hope you've been enjoying all the previous episodes. Last weekend was, of course, the, the coronation of King Charles III. I went down to London and joined in the festivities in Hyde Park. So I hope you enjoy those field reports. Of course, we've had uh, a new book out from Charlie Hickson. I hope you enjoyed uh, the the review, the interview, the discussion with Roland Hume, a British novelist who gave his take on that latest offering in the James Bond continuation novel series. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoyed that podcast and the YouTube video as well. It kind of went with the coronation, and that's what the book is all set around, the coronation of King Charles. I also did some deep dives into British imperial history, specifically the history of the British in Cyprus. And I'll be carrying on with that. And I have the ever popular series, The Alphabet of Britishness. That's been on pause for a little bit. A few people have asked me about it. So uh, quite honestly, if I ask you the uh, the topics and you give it to me, then I like to spend a lot of time looking into it. And I haven't had a huge amount of time free lately for doing that for reasons that I set out in uh, my recent newsletter. If you're not subscribed, then you can just Click the link in the show notes or just send me an email to uh, albionneverdies at gmail.com and I'll sign you up. But uh, in short, well, I wasn't sure if I was still going to be in a job at this point. Um, so happily, it's kind of worked out and um, I'm still in the same I'm in the same seat that I was in before. Uh, so that's carrying on, but as I say, it has taken a lot. But whilst I might not be getting back to the alphabet of Britishness immediately... If you do keep sending me topics, uh, so far I've got U is for umbrella, so for that tail end of the alphabet, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Uh, if you keep sending me topics, that gives me a bit of a head start and I can start researching for when I start up again, because of course I will get back to it. As for the title of this episode, my £700 electricity bill. Well, I wasn't sure whether to put this in a podcast, but... Uh, been talking to a fair few friends and acquaintances, people at church and so on, and decided, well, why not? I'm just one man in a flat, a modest flat in Yorkshire, and my electricity bill uh, for this month has been £700, which is quite striking. For listeners around the world, uh, for those in the US, that's $870. Uh, for those on the European continent, 800 euros, uh, whilst in Australian dollars, about 1,300 Australian dollars, about the same for New Zealand. And that's for one month, uh, with a bit of a, with a bit of a catch-up payment, I suspect, somewhere. I submitted a meter reading in December, and then in May, uh, so what they've been charging me for is their estimates, their estimates. But I've been paying uh, those estimates, and it's in line with pretty well everyone I know in a in a similar flat, I'm in a block of flats, so we pay similar things. Uh, so 700 seems a great deal. I was told this is due to the distance between meter readings. I've been telephoning them, telephoning them, trying to get through. Um, and of course I did that. I got the email telling me this bill on a Saturday. And so on the Monday, 9am, as soon as the telephone lines opened, I called. It took me about 20, 30 minutes to get through. Um, and finally I was able to give them my details and then their connection dropped. So then I called them again, much the same thing, connection dropped, but finally the third one I was able to get through and they asked me to kind of resubmit everything, so I have. Um, anyway, yeah, I've been recording all of those calls, so I've, I've got that footage 
<laughs> that audio recording of all those conversations just to keep track of what's going on because according to their estimates I've been using more electricity than the average family in a four to five bedroom house of course I am married but my wife is currently away um, working a foreign job so so yeah so my uh, I, I got angry, of course, but I channeled that in a useful direction. I uh, I made a PowerPoint. <laughs> I made a graph. I got so angry, I made a PowerPoint. Uh, so my bills have been going from, say, 128, 81, 153, 156, right up to 700. And I, I think tried to work out, okay, if this is an accumulation, what is that accumulation? So apparently, according to them, in January, I should have paid 230. In February, I should have paid 190. March, I should have paid 262. Uh, April, 265. May, 264. That's assuming all their calculations are correct. Am I alone in this? Absolutely not. There's been people all over the UK talking about the, the energy bills, the energy crisis. I've got my local newspapers here. I went down to, to Hampshire, so I've got some local papers there. Everywhere I go, I get a local paper, and there have been stories about that here, of businesses closing down. And, of course, in the, the national news, there's been stories of people having their doors kicked down by bailiffs, um, elderly, vulnerable people, unable to make their energy payments and of course there has been government assistance and in fact uh, my local MP Philip Davis has a very very good reputation locally um, so as soon as I got this bill I emailed him and you know what he, he emailed me back immediately saying I've now emailed them myself and I'll let you know how it goes um, so I'm very very pleased I seem to have a really good local MP who's actually interested um, but again broadening it out because you know you can have a high month or a low month or whatever but broadening it out the company says, the electricity company says, I should be paying a bill annually of £2,800. So again, annually, US dollars That's quite a lot, especially when, just to put it into context, if I had four to five people <laughs> in a five-bedroom house, I'd be paying 1600 according to all official estimates. Something has gone wrong. But of course, what I'm doing is I'm telephoning through, I'm being put onto waiting lists, press one for this, two for that. Um, you know, going to people who are just looking at a, an Excel spreadsheet or they're looking at a graph. They don't know here. They don't know here. They don't know me. They don't know the flat. They don't know the context. They don't, they don't know here. Um, so it's been a very, very long process. And of course, their lines are only open from nine to five. I've got work. <laughs> I've got work nine to five. I've got other stuff to do. Uh, but I've been spending well, many, many hours. So I thought, you know what? That is a news story. It's in the national news. It, you know, there's lots and lots of stories like this. It's happening to me as well. Uh, so I thought I would share this as a, a slice of British life in 2023, the cost of living crisis. Because of course, all other bills are going up at the same time. I'll move on to the local newspapers aside from my own troubles. I feel seven minutes on that is enough. As I say, when I went down to the coronation, I uh, visited some family and picked up whatever local newspapers I could on my way here and there. The News and Mail from uh, Fleet and Yatesley, it's a place in Hampshire, actually talks about the rising costs blamed for the closure of restaurants. So there's a, a chain that me, living in Yorkshire, have never heard of this Prezzo. I guess they're mainly based in the south. Uh, Prezzo has announced the closure of three restaurants in Hampshire. The chain announced its restaurants in Fleet, Lyndhurst and Winchester will be among the 46 sites to be shut nationwide due to soaring costs and less customers. The group said closures will affect more than 810 workers 
Consultation process is ongoing. Utility bills at its restaurants have rocketed by more than double over last year after energy bills shot up. Well, indeed. I think when I moved in, I was paying around 60 a month, or maybe less. So, yeah, 700 that's rocketing. Uh, utility bills have rocketed, but it's also uh, food prices. So food prices are currently at a 45-year high. So if someone says, what's up? You can always say prices. There's many, many, many stories like that. But when I do these slice-of-life episodes, I do like to find the, the unusual, the interesting stories that make their way into local papers that might affect somebody's day-to-day life and might tell you a bit more, especially those living abroad, what it's like to lead life in the UK. Although, actually, I feel it does say a lot that I had a problem, immediately emailed my local MP, got a message back. I wonder, especially for American listeners, if they'd have a similar response from their, from their senator. Um, anyway, the governor, perhaps. Anyway, anyway, I've got some letters here. Letters to a local newspaper is always fun. And it's here that you get the positive news stories because I talked about the coronation. There was another great event very recently, which is the London Marathon. So there's just a lovely letter to the local newspaper saying thank you to all who ran the marathon for us. So Phyllis Tuckwell would like to say a huge well done and thank you to all those who took part in the London Marathon to raise money for local hospice care. 34 runners took part in aid of Phyllis Tuckwell including one of its staff members, Dave Coombs, and one of its volunteers, Tim Kingham. I like that. This is the kind of thing that, uh, I guess, Dave Coombs has a copy of this newspaper uh, Tim Kingham has, or maybe maybe their mums do. Maybe their mums bought the paper, cut it out, and it's now framed somewhere in the house, maybe in a loo. Cousins Claire Vernon and Lucy Andrews trained together, fundraised together, and ran the whole route together, and Chandra Pun ran with 15 kgs of weight on his back. Wow, all our runners were absolutely amazing from start to finish. The weather was quite changeable. Felt like we experienced several seasons in one day. Rainy, windy, cold, and then quite warm at 1.2. Most of our runners were running in memory of someone. So it was an emotional day. Well done and thank you. That is, that is fantastic. This is a couple of stories from the Fleet and Yateley News and Mail, Wednesday, 3rd of May, uh, 2023. Might have been a bit of an old, old paper. We've got a slightly bigger local newspaper. Again, I do like going to the local newspapers because you get kind of quirky, unusual stories that you just don't really get. But you also get stories that might affect someone that you know. Um, so I can't can't look at this edition of the Reading Chronicle, 4th of May, not Star Wars Day. Um, they have on the front cover, Cruel Council's Eviction. Grieving son to be booted out of his family home months after his mum's death. So, a grieving man is being kicked out of the home he lived in his whole life just three months after the death of his mum. Gary Brooken, 63, of Vale Crescent, has been struggling emotionally since his mum died in January. He and his mum shared a two-bedroom semi-detached garden with a generously sized sorry, semi-detached home with a generously sized garden. But he's being pressured to move out as the home is a council house owned by Reading Borough Council. Mr. Brooking said, I was born in Delwood Hospital and I've only lived here since. They want me out because it's two bedroom. They want me somewhere smaller, one bedroom. Obviously, I don't want to leave there because I've lived there my whole life. I've been to the doctor, I'm on antidepressant tablets because I've lost my mum and now this. Mr. Brooking was under the impression that he'd be given six months after his mum's death before being encouraged to move on. 
Mr. Brooklyn has been struggling with feeling unwell since his mum's death. He was her carer for 13 years. 2009 to when she went into hospital on Boxing Day and that was the last time I saw her. I don't want to leave. I've been here so long. It will hurt me. Really sorry to hear that. In response, a Reading Borough Council spokesperson said a council tenancy is only allowed to pass from one family member to another once, known as succession. In this case, a succession has already taken place within the family and therefore no further succession rights are available on this tenancy. I'll stop reading from the paper, uh, stop reading from the article there. I think it's a really interesting one because, of course, at a removed level we could all understand, yeah, there's a housing crisis, he's got two bedrooms, he's one guy, but on the human level, this is his home, he's lived there, well, all his life, he's 63, who on earth wants to move house for the first time at 63 years of age, especially when he's, he's grieving for the mum that he looked after for 13 years. So, uh, it's a story that I bet you know, lots of people locally would be following. But again, it's a slice of life. We've been talking about the cost of living crisis and hotels, restaurants sorry, closing and uh, council housing. So uh, 13 minutes in. I thought maybe I would uh, talk about one of, the, one of the nice stories from a local newspaper. Hundreds enjoy a little bit of foodie heaven in Forbury Gardens. I don't know this place, but it sounds fantastic. And uh, how wonderful for the journalist <laughs> that they, uh, they got a roving reporter to go along. To a cheese festival, street food traders offered a variety of options including gourmet cheese, toasties, macaroni cheese and cheese balls. There was something for everyone, even those who don't like cheese. Good. With a popular bar tent, fresh churros, brownies, tapas and Thai street food, our reporter Megan O'Neill went to the Reading Cheese Fest on April 29th to see what she could find. I am very impressed at this, she said. I will hold my hands up and say, I don't like cheese. But this is delicious. <laughs> so she has gone around, she's taken some uh, good journalistic photos of uh, the cheese festival. And I was impressed, it was taken over, this park was taken over for three days by Cheese Fest. So uh, quite a big festival. Now I know it's not amazing for a podcast, but I was quite impressed that this local newspaper has a double page spread of uh, your animal and bird pictures from all over Reading and beyond this week. So uh, I'm very impressed. they got some really good amateur photos, wildlife. But uh, not great for podcasts, I admit. But uh, I was struck by it. Here's something I always enjoy from a local newspaper. You've probably heard me do this before. From uh, North Yorkshire and West Yorkshire, now it's Hampshire, in the dock. Latest results in Reading and Slough Magistrates Court. I always find it fascinating. As they note here, fundamental principle of justice is that it must be seen to be done. Open justice is acclaimed on a number of grounds. As a safeguard against judicial error, to assist the deterrent function of criminal trials, and to permit the revelation of matters of interest. So, for example, it might be Mohammed Rizza, uh, 19, pleaded guilty to drug driving, Drunk, drug driving and driving without insurance, disqualified from driving for 12 months, fined £240, and there was also an £85 court fee. That is a fraction of my electricity bill. Or Christina Drummer, 34, who pleaded guilty to stealing £81.75 worth of paint from a Wilkinson store in Slough on September the 26th of last year. 
She was fined £100. That seemed extraordinary. £81.75 pence worth of paint. I know it's not how it happened, but I just have an image in my mind of her kind of getting a handbag and just filling with paint and running off as fast as she could. Most of the rest of them were, uh, you know, driving offences. It always makes the magistrates court. Oh, one wrong un. Jamie, Jamie, age 40, old enough to know better, pleaded guilty to stealing £120 worth of steak from a Marks and Spencer's store. Well, if you're going to steal from a store, then you might as well steal from a good quality, good quality store. Oof, he stole £300 of meat from the same store before. Oh, and he stole a further £120 from meat before that. Wow, he's been sentenced to 34 weeks in jail. Couldn't stand to go to Little. No, oh, um, oh, so as I say, I really enjoy going through these local local newspapers, getting some unusual stories. I think they're the most interesting stories that I got. The other third part of this podcast is that I had a fantastic time in Howarth uh, this Saturday. I went along to the Howarth 1940s weekend. Um, so this is of course a huge huge event every year except briefly of course because of the pandemic people wear outfits appropriate to the era and uh, there's a huge number of well stores and music and sometimes dance as well this time one of the main parks was actually taken over by another market um, but in the main village itself the village of Howarth uh, there are a lot of performers oh if you are not familiar with Howarth, this is of course Bronte country where the uh, the Bronte sisters lived with their brother Bramwell, of course their parents, and it has uh, very much capitalised on that, just like Stratford-upon-Avon, very much capitalises on being the uh, birthplace of Shakespeare. Howarth very much capitalises on being where the Bronte sisters wrote their great literary works, Wuthering Heights and so on. Um, so there is a fantastic historic railway that goes there and in fact on the Howarth 1940s weekend because there's such large crowds that go and it's only a small village they're generally advised not to drive to the village itself there's not much parking um, so I went to the nearby town of Keithley and there took a steam train all the way up this steam train is a historic railway really run and supported by volunteers it's appeared in over a hundred uh, movies and TV shows, including, of course, The Railway Children, which I did a podcast on a little while ago, um, and I was able to stop at Oakworth, which is one of the key locations, and uh, see, see the fellas do all the actions that, uh, that you see in the film. Anyway, I went up to Howarth, and it was a, a phenomenal day. They even had a Winston Churchill look-alike giving a speech. He did have quite a noticeable Yorkshire accent, so he was a look-alike, <laughs> not a sound-alike, but it was nonetheless a great event enjoyed by all. I think the highlight of the day was probably the Spitfire flyover, so he saw this historic aircraft going over. I think there were recommended places to go, but of course it's a flyover, you can stand anywhere. I particularly, particularly enjoyed seeing them. It's a very distinctive sound. Hear it in all the movies, uh, but to hear it echoing around uh, the little valley uh, was marvellous. And then uh, as I tried to get home, there's a little fire by the track, so I just had to stop and wait around. <laughs> the fire brigade came along, put it all out, uh, but it was a lovely day because I could just 
stand around, drink some tea, and uh, and then get on with my day. So that is a slice of Hampshire life. <laughs> the description of my uh, £700 electricity bill, which uh, I have to say I've had a, a range of different responses from friends, most of them just horrified at how terrible this is. One of them had been affected by something very similar. It was an accumulation, and he was able to get some kind of payment plan, which is wonderful to know that's possible, whilst another friend at the extreme end of the scale was kind of suggesting some kind of riot, <laughs> which uh, probably wouldn't be the wisest thing to do. Might be the most satisfying thing to do, who knows. So again, this is just a, a relaxed episode. I hope you enjoyed it. My problems, a slice of Hampshire life, a brief description of 1940s weekend, which I'll put out on the YouTube as well. I took a lot of video footage, so I just want to cut that together and uh, make a little video. And uh, if you are following me on YouTube, which is of course youtube.com forward slash British Culture, uh, it's the same name as a podcast, Albie Never Dies, if you're just searching it at the search bar. Uh, and I've been putting things out fairly regularly over the last month or two, so I'm, I'm very pleased. I just try and put things there when I've got the time to do it. I've done a few James Bond book reviews, a few James Bond film reviews, and reviews of books that appear in Bond films. That's one of my favourites. And in fact, I've had so many Bond videos, I've had to have a special playlist called Smorgas Bond. <laughs> it's a selection of random stuff relating to it. But of course I'll be dropping in other things, as I say, like the 1940s weekend footage. So there's, there's plenty there. So, uh, well, what can I say? Follow whatever you enjoy. And uh, have a wonderful week. I shall be back next week with more, more stuff, whether it's the alphabet of Britishness, more stuff on Cyprus, or, I've mentioned it before, I do have a phenomenal podcast coming up with my friend Kane, who does uh, some really, really good research on another former crown colony. So it's all coming up. Hope you enjoyed this one. See you later. Goodbye.